Hi there, and welcome to Northview Online. We're so glad you're here to join us for this week's sermon. The Bible is the perfect guide for our lives as followers of Jesus, and we pray that this message helps you draw nearer to God. At Northview, we believe that living our faith is meant to be done together. If you're looking for a church community, we would love for you to visit one of our campuses, or we can help find a great church near you. And don't forget about all the other amazing resources we have to offer, like Northview Kids Online, original songs, podcasts, and more. You can find everything you need on our website, northview.org. Baptism signals a person's identity in two ways. It signals their identity with God and then with God's people. So in essence, what a person is saying when they choose to go through the waters of baptism is, I belong to God. Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. And secondly, these are my people. This is my family. Baptism has always carried those two emphases. I belong to the Lord and I belong to his people. And, and then when I'm teaching baptism classes, I'll often say it's sort of like putting on the team jersey. And so uh, you're very, very familiar with this in our North American culture, whether it is soccer or football or hockey or whatever your choice of sport, it is not uncommon to see uh, young and old alike wearing the team jersey, identifying which team it is that they happen to be cheering for. And, And baptism in some way is like putting on the team jersey. You're identifying yourself as the follower of Jesus and also as one of the people of God. But baptism is far more than just an initiation rite, an entry into the church, and it is that. Historically, baptism has always been connected to membership in the local church, that that is the initiation rite, if you will. In fact, today in Muslim nations, we understand that persecution of the new Christian doesn't really begin until they go public with their faith through the waters of baptism. Because in that public identification, they are now publicly saying, I want to be part of the people of God, and that is what initially triggers persecution. You may have heard it said, baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality. And baptism by immersion, which you're going to see in a few moments, may be the most tangible symbol of what happens in the life of a follower of Jesus, because it points to a past event, a future promise, and a present reality. We are going to talk about these things, our purchase and the promise and the power of the resurrection, the purchase, the promise, and the power of the resurrection and new life. And if you wanted just one verse of scripture to wrap your mind around what this celebration this weekend is all about, you might do no better than choosing 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So baptism, rightly understood, is all about new life. New life. And it goes to the macro story of the gospel, the big story of the gospel, which we talk about every time we gather. We talk about the story of the gospel that basically says this, that left to ourselves, if it was up to us, we would never, no individual in this room would ever choose willingly to walk towards God. The scriptures tell us that we are born with an intention to walk away from God, an inclination that will lead us always to seek our own good and not to seek the good of the Lord, that we are born, there's many, many metaphors, that we are born rebels, we are born enemies, we are born aliens and strangers to the things of God. 
But the God in his mercy, somewhere along the course of our life, interrupts the course of our life and puts people and circumstances and teachings in our path to turn us back towards him, to awaken us to our need of him. Uh, the, the big theological word is repentance, which simply means turn around. I'm walking in this direction and somebody interrupts my step and I believe it and I turn and I turn and I walk towards the Lord. And so baptism, rightly understood, is about this change. And that understanding of God's mercy changes everything in how we live our lives and the new life that the children of God are called to. So for a few moments, I want to remind you about the new life that the children of God have been called into. Our salvation, when we talk about it, is always talked about in three tenses, a past tense, a present tense, and a future tense. And so we're going to look at the new life that is purchased for us in Christ, and that is the past tense. We're going to look at the new life that is promised us in Christ, future tense, and then finally the new life empowered by Christ in the present tense. And, and it's nearly impossible actually to celebrate, the, to separate actually those three. If you're reading almost any text in the New Testament on salvation, almost always past, present, and future are within the, sometimes the same sentence and often in the same paragraph. So first, new life that we celebrate in Christ, purchased in Christ in the past. We are celebrating a past event in the waters of baptism. So Romans 6 says this, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. What that text tells us is that our new life today was accomplished in the past. Our new life today was accomplished by the finished work of Jesus Christ in the past. And it's why baptism by immersion is such a powerful symbol. That just as Christ was crucified and buried and laid in the tomb, and then on the third day walked away from the tomb fully alive, so too we have been united with him in his death. And that's pictured as we're buried in the waters of baptism. The old life is put to death and then being raised to new life in Christ. Okay, great, so far. But take note, take careful note that that union with Christ doesn't happen when somebody comes out of the waters of baptism. It's not that they go into the tank, an old creation, and they come out of the water, a new creation. It's talking about something that was accomplished literally 2,000 years ago in Jesus Christ. That when Jesus walked the Via Dolorosa to lay his life down, that he did it with us in tow. He went there as our substitute. Romans 6 says, we know that our old self was crucified with him. Romans 6 Verse 6. And Galatians 2.20 says to us, I have been crucified with Christ. We know that our old self was crucified, and Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. And what that means is that before we ever had a chance to respond to his offer of salvation, God was already accomplishing ourselves. I gotta say that again. Before we ever had a chance to respond, he was accomplishing our salvation. Are you with me? You got it? Before you sought him, he was already doing this finished work 2,000 years ago before we even existed. There's so much depth and richness to our understanding of salvation. And it goes to the very heart of what we call the doctrines of grace, that we're saved by faith through grace alone, that God has done everything that needs to be done to secure our salvation. 
that he left nothing to chance, that he finished the work that needed to be done. So look now at Romans 5, and look at the terms that it uses for us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. The next sentence, God shows his love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then the next phrase a couple verses later, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. When we were weak, when we were sinners, when we were his enemies, he was accomplishing for us what we could not accomplish for ourselves. So in other words, when a person chooses to go through the waters of baptism, what they are acting out in part is a history lesson. That my life was hidden positionally in Christ when he went to the cross. That he went there on my behalf. That he was crucified in my place. That he was buried in my place. That everything he did, he did on behalf of others. On behalf of us. But secondly, there's an equal and amazing promise for the future. Now, if you were here last weekend, we talked a lot about this. That baptism reflects a new life that is promised for us in Christ, future tense. That just as Christ was raised physically from the grave to new life, we have the hope of a physical resurrection. Uh, John chapter 11, the raising of Lazarus, the conversation with Jesus and Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He giving her a, a great theology lesson, saying to Martha, you know what, Martha, there's coming a day when there's gonna be a loud voice and a trumpet sound and the archangel calling out and Jesus is gonna call everybody from the tomb. And it was an echo back to his teaching in John 5, where he said in John 5, truly I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here, is now here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Just press pause there for a moment. What he's speaking of is spiritual death to spiritual life, that the Spirit of God calls us, now is the day, he calls us unto spiritual life, that in this present life, a voice goes into our mind from the Spirit of God calling us from death to life. But then he goes on to say this, and an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs, so now you have physically passed away, you are lying in the tomb, and you will hear the voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who've done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So, put a pin in this, that the Christian faith believes in the eternal nature of not just the soul, but the eternal nature of the body, and this is unique. Not all world religions believe this. Buddhism and Hinduism believe in an endless cycle of reincarnation. In many ways, the body is irrelevant. Just get rid of the body and the soul goes on to some other life and multiple, multiple, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of reincarnations as you move towards being absorbed into what New Age theology might call the energy of the universe or various thoughts in Hinduism and Buddhism uh, into the consciousness of the universe, the infinite, eternal, or you've heard the term nirvana, absorbed into an, uh, nirvana. The picture is like a drop of water dropping into the ocean and being absorbed into the ocean. You're like, could you ever get that drop of water back? No, it is literally absorbed. The self dissipates. The self is gone. The Christian faith is unique in the sense that it says not only is the soul eternal, but the body, the new body, the resurrection body is also eternal. So Christianity tells us of this future hope that these bodies will be raised again. Now, don't worry, it's not the one that you're in right now. 
It'll be a version of that, but much better. Like Christ was raised in a glorified state, so we are raised in a glorified state. All the imperfections, you look around you, all the imperfections will be gone. Corinthians 15, the longest text on this subject. Paul says in the verse four verses, now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. And Paul was pressing this point because in his day, as the same as in our day, even within Christian circles, there are some who say there is no physical resurrection. There is only this soul that goes on to live, but Paul makes it crystal clear that just as Christ was raised, so too will we be raised. He goes on to say, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Resurrection Sunday morning, he walks among them. Thomas puts his hand in his side. He eats fish with them. For 40 days he appears to them. In fact, Christ has been raised the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Christ the first fruits, and then at his coming those who belong to him. So what it is saying is that Jesus is one day going to call forth from the grave every person who has ever lived. Every person. From Adolf Hitler to Mother Teresa. Every person is going to come out of the grave, and the only question that will matter in that moment in time is what have you done with Jesus Christ? On whose merit are you going to be able to stand in the presence of a holy God? That there's coming a day, as Jesus said, when the dead in their tombs are going to hear the cry of the archangel, the blast of the trumpet, and like Lazarus was called out of the tomb, that we will step into eternal lives in glorified bodies just like that of Jesus. So when a person chooses to go through the waters of baptism, they are acting out in part our future hope, our past reality and our future hope. But finally, and maybe most relevant to our lives today, is that baptism also pictures our new life empowered by Christ in the present moment. That water baptism is a living, breathing representation of the life that we live in present tense. That as we live for that great day in the future when sin and death and the grave are banished, we live our lives now like trailers of the coming attraction. So you've all seen the movie trailers that tell us, coming soon to a theater near you. That is what the Christian life is supposed to be like. You want to know what the kingdom of God is going to be like? You know what it's going to be like when we have prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. That future day, well, the Christian life around you should be a trailer for that coming attraction. I like how David Watson puts it. It's an old book. I believe in the church, but there's a really great statement in this book when he says, it is the church that is willing to die to worldly standards that will know the power of Christ's resurrection. It may be envied for its depths of loving relationships or its spontaneous joy. It may be hated and persecuted for its revolutionary lifestyle, exposing the hollow values and destructive selfishness of the society it seeks to serve, but it certainly cannot be ignored. When God reigns among his people, they become a city set on a hill and cannot be hid. And of course, Watson is paraphrasing or quoting Jesus' own words in the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus said, you are the light of the world. We are the light in the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp 
and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. You all know the song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let... Yeah, you, you sang it in Sunday school, right? When a person chooses to enter the waters of baptism, what they are saying in part is that I am burying my old way of life. I am putting that old sinful self in the past. And as I emerge out of this watery grave, it pictures the new life that I am enabled, empowered to live by the Spirit of God. And so the passages like 2 Corinthians 5.17 then make crystal clear sense to us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Or Colossians 3, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So this new life, this new way of living is impossible without the enablement of the Spirit of God. The power to live the victorious life is embedded in our union with Christ. And so it's why we would cry out with the Apostle Paul when he writes uh, in his letters and says, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I haven't obtained it yet. He says to the Philippian church, I'm pressing on toward it. I'm striving toward it. But I want to know the very same power that raised Christ from the dead. I want to know it, that it's available to me. And what Paul is saying is there is crazy good news. That the very same power, think about this, the very same power that called Jesus out of the tomb is available to us today. And it's that final aspect of resurrection power that our world so desperately needs to see lived out. That God has called a people to himself for his glory to be put on display. That everything that is killing us in this world around us can be reversed through the power of Christ. That in the craziness of the time and the culture that we live in, that there is a countercultural movement of new life that is afoot. And it is not to pummel and to criticize and to accuse the culture around us, but it is simply to live out an alternate story alongside this crazy world that we live in. Now, there's some really old, old writings about this. Back in 426 AD, a few of you were there, St. Augustine's most famous work. The city of God, 1,600 years ago, as the Roman Empire was in its final sign set, it was literally rotting from within. By 476 or so, the Roman Empire falls. It is gone. It is on the downhill slide. And St. Augustine writes this famous book, the, the City of God, and basically tells the tale of two cities that are intermingled in human society. That there is an evil side to society and there is God's work in the midst of that society. That God is calling a people unto himself out of the chaos of life and that the Christian virtues result in a flourishing of life and literally of the nation. And if you wanted to basically summarize this book in one statement in modern vernacular, you could say, good Christians make good citizens. It's really what St. Augustine was on about, that as you live out a Christ-honoring life in the midst of a crazy culture, you can actually infect the culture for the good unto the glory of God. In other words, Christians should be better husbands and wives. We should be better parents and children. Christians should be better employers and employees. We should be better students and teachers, and on and on the list goes, because we're living by the values of a different kingdom. Amen? 
And as we live out the power of these new lives in front of a watching world, we then become the agents of change or regeneration or of new life. So an entirely new way of living has been opened up to us. So when we come to baptism, water baptism is a public testimony of a threefold spiritual reality. It is a picture of new life that is purchased for us in Christ, past tense. It is a picture of new life that is promised for us in Christ in the future tense. And it is a picture of new life empowered in Christ in the present tense. It means we live as free people. And my greatest hope and prayer for every single person who is hearing this message is that you will understand and then you will embrace. That somewhere along the course of your life, God, by his Holy Spirit, interrupts your life, puts a person in your life, puts the word of God in your life, a song, a sermon, some conversation where you become aware of the fact that you are walking away from God, that that's how you were born with this bent that is taking you as a rebel away from him and that you need to stop and turn around and embrace what Jesus has done for you. And I hope and pray that every person in this room has heard that, will understand it, will embrace that. And as we witness these baptisms, this is what we're going to witness in part. Individuals have said, I have taken that step. I have turned to the Lord, and I want to publicly declare myself. I want to identify as a follower of the Lord Jesus and also as one of the family of God. The Lord is my Savior, and these are my people. I'm putting on the team jersey, if you will. So... We're going to go to baptisms. If you've not been here before, just let you know how we do this, just how the order of events flow. Uh, We have got uh, baptism testimonies of three or four people. We'll go on the screen and we'll listen to their stories. If you would like to read the entirety of their stories, these little baptism booklets are available at uh, each of the info desks on the kiosks. On the way out the door, you can grab one. You can read the entire story of, of all 50 of the weekend. 12 are going to be baptized tonight, and then 38 going to be baptized tomorrow morning in the two services. If you want to read all those stories, they're in here. So you'll see a little bit of the testimony, uh, four or five at a time, and then those will come to be baptized. And we will sing a song together and we'll watch the baptism. So if you're here as a family and a friend and you want to come down and gather around the tank as they're being baptized, we invite you to do that. The only thing we ask is there's a camera here that we want to make sure we got a good straight shot on so that we can record the baptism. So please don't block the camera or somebody will push you out of the way. We got some big, are there some big bouncers that are going to do that? Adrian? Yeah, there you go. Oh, your, your hubby can do that. That's great. Stay out of the way of the camera, but come and celebrate. And uh, then what else? Uh, I've forgotten something. Those of you being baptized, you know what to do during the video. Go get ready. I'm forgetting something, but I guess it doesn't matter. Okay, before we do that, the question I want to leave you with is simply this. What have you done with the claims of Jesus and his call to salvation? Have you heard his voice calling you to himself? And if you have, what is holding you back? As John 5 says, the day is coming and is now here. So that means in the present, it's now here that he is calling the dead to life. Maybe tonight he's calling you to spiritual life. Maybe this is the weekend that you need to say yes to God. And then I know the final thing I want to say. Maybe you're in the room and you have followed Jesus for years and years and years, but you have never publicly declared that through the waters of baptism. 
Want to encourage you, the next baptism will be in June. There'll be a class at the end of April. Watch for the details. Come through the class. Would love to see you in the waters of baptism in the month of June. Uh, let's pray together. Um, let's stand. We'll pray, and then I think we're going to be seated again for a video, but let's stand. So, Father, it's an exciting evening. It's an exciting moment, and yet it is also a somber and a sacred time for us. We are celebrating uh, with 12 individuals tonight who are identifying themselves as followers of Jesus Christ and as part of the family of God. And so, Lord, we do celebrate that, but we are also mindful of the fact that the very reason that we are celebrating this act of salvation is because we so desperately needed it. As we already sang earlier, Lord, I need you. How desperately I need you. And in the most important area of our lives, that we were born with a a nature that was pulling us away from you. That the natural inclinations of our heart were not to seek after you. That the natural inclinations and direction that we were headed with our life would be to be your enemy or to be a rebel against you. And so, Lord God, we celebrate together that you, in your grace and in your mercy, interrupted our path and told us of your great love, that you did everything that needed to be done for us to be reconciled to you, that you left nothing unfinished, that when you stretched out your arms on that cross and cried out, it is finished, you meant it, it's done, it's complete. Our salvation has been signed, sealed, and delivered in Jesus. All we must do is answer the call from the grave by saying, yes, Lord, I place my faith and trust in you, in your finished work. And then, Lord, thank you for that act in the past history. Thank you for the promise of the future. And, Father, thank you that you empower us in the day-to-day life of today to live out lives that honor you, new life. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. We celebrate that in Jesus' name. Amen.